are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. As you open your Bibles, please, to 1 Kings this evening, you can use the back of it if you want to write down some notes. I don't have any fill in the blank or anything there. But I want you to see because we're going to see there's a divided kingdom. And I just thought maybe a picture of what's taking place, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and I'll allude to that, might get it a little bit better in our minds. very obvious. One way's north, one's south. But if you can see it there, it might be a help to us. Sometimes some folks don't understand what is, what is it when it refers to Israel, what does it refer to Judah? We'll get there in a moment, and we'll begin. We've got to give it a letter R. Uh, if you, some of you might be writing these, I'm writing them in the front of every book of the Bible. And so we have Genesis was ruined, R-U-I-N. Uh, everything was messed up in Genesis because of sin. Ru- they ruined what God had done for them. They ruined it. They wrecked it. Exodus is to remove, is to exit, to leave. They removed themselves from one place to another. Leviticus is righteousness. And then Deuteronomy simply means the word, so we call that the remarks. And uh, Joshua, he began to conquer land, so we call that a region. And then the book of Judges, well, it's very obvious, there were 13 judges, they were rulers. And then the book of Ruth, well, could have been redemption, but we called it Ruth, and that's the R there. First and second Samuel, we saw the last two weeks was the reign, R-E-I-G-N, when these people reigned. There were uh, three men that we see in those books, the remarkable Samuel, the rebellious Saul, and the righteous David, those three great leaders. Well, tonight we're in first and second kings. I'm running out of R's. You've got to help me. We're going to have to make up some more words. But this one's very obvious, royalty. Thank you, guys. You're nodding your head down there. You're all right. And uh, royalty. We're going to see these various kings. And uh, I, I enjoy, if you haven't purchased the book, it's expensive, probably $40, $50 in the bookstore. Real thick book on um, Sidlow's Baxter, Baxter's book. It's long gone. But it gives you a, a synopsis of every book in the Bible. It's the most concise. I've I asked um, a great preacher, Dr. Eli Haru, who was the head of the Bible department, BBC, so many years ago. I said, if you had one book in your library, this was in the 70s, he came to visit us. I said, what would it be? And that beautiful white hair he had, he said, you have to have Sidlow Baxter's book, Explore the Book. Sidlow Baxter said this about the book of 1 Kings. He called it a book of disruption because you're going to find that because of the thinking of the Jews, they divided themselves and literally began a civil war amongst themselves, the Jews. I hope that 
in your life, in my life, we never give ourselves to a civil war. People blast you on the internet, don't answer back. Don't, don't give them the time. Whatever answer you give, it's not going to be good enough. And they're going to think you're, you're proud or you're lying or you're not telling the truth. And don't, don't answer that stuff. And, and I want you to know, I think there's a lot more false on the internet than there is truth. But we find this book of disruption. And you'll notice there we have the northern kingdom. You may want to just write this there. The northern kingdom are 10 tribes of Israel. So when you see it's referring to, in First and Second Kings, Israel, they're referring here to the 10 tribes. The 10 tribes had a capital, and they actually had three. But the one they really claimed was that one you see there. Is it on that paper? Samaria? That was their capital in the north. And so that's Israel's capital. Then the northern kingdom had how many kings? Do we know? And I think you do probably. How many kings were in the northern kingdom? You're right. 19. 19 kings in the northern kingdom. The other kingdom is the southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom is called Judah. And so when you're reading about Judah, they sometimes they refer to them as sisters. Israel, 10 times, and Judah, her sister. She has done wickedly. And Judah is two tribes. It's Judah and it's Benjamin. And this is going to be important southern kingdom because of our Lord, and we'll get to that in the, maybe next week or so. Their capital is where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the southern kingdom's capital. How many kings? Right again, 19 kings. So 19 kings in the north, 19 kings in the south. We begin tonight in um, the book of 1 Kings, and I want you to mark somewhere there so you have it to know there are 22 chapters in the book of 1 Kings. Those chapters, just like the two tribes or the two, Judah and Israel and Judah, they're divided. These 22 chapters are divided exactly in half. The first 11 chapters you're going to find deals with Solomon's reign. We'll look at Solomon tonight. It is a united kingdom under Solomon. The last 11 chapters, chapters uh, 12 through 22, is chaos where the divided kingdom begins, and that begins in chapter 12. So let's pick it up tonight in chapter 1. I'll give you some verses along the way. In chapter uh, number 1, and let's pick it up where the new king is going to come to power, and that's King Solomon. Let's look at some things about his life. Verse 28, verse 28. Are you there? Now David, you know, is old, and there was an insurrection because of one of the brothers of Solomon thought, I'm going to be the king, and he got the priest, and he got a, one of the other men to come and say, you're, you're the next king. And David got wind of this insurrection said, he's not the man. And, uh, and uh, Nathan was disappointed about it. And uh, it was Adonijah. And verse 28, this old king David's going to die now. 
And the king, King David answered and said, call me Bathsheba. Stop right there. I like that. We call Bathsheba the harlot. By the way, the line of Jesus comes through four of these ladies that were mentioned in Matthew 1, and they all had an awful past. Bathsheba, in my estimation, is one of the greatest mothers that ever lived. She raised Solomon. The greatest, the wisest man, we're told. And Solomon had, he would enter, uh, uh, mother would end the room. He's the king. When he, a little bit later, the, the king doesn't stand for anybody. The king is not responsible to stand for anybody. But when mama came in, the Bible says he stood to his feet. I mean, if his, her own son could have respect and did not hold it against her for her past, why can't we let some things go? I am not talking about sweeping sin under the carpet. I have found in my own life, I've got so much to take care of in my own life. Don't become judge and jury over everybody. Well, you know what they did? Oh, yeah, that was um, 47 years ago. Let it go, folks. And here he is, he said, um, he said, call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore and said, as the Lord liveth, it's not swearing like we're talking, he made an oath. As the Lord liveth and as he redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, here it is, assuredly Solomon, thy son shall reign after me. And he shall sit upon my throne in my stead. Even so will I certainly do this day. He said, Bathsheba, I know these guys, Zadok, and I know Nathan are here, and they're trying to get Adonijah. Maybe you even want Adonijah, according to that text, you'll see it. But he said, Adonijah's not the man. Bathsheba, my sweet wife, you're such a good wife. You've been with me all through all these days. Sweet Bathsheba, Solomon's the man. In verse 31, Bathsheba bowed her face to the earth and did reverence to the king and said, let my king, let my lord King David live forever. And King David said, call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet. And they went and got Solomon, verse 33. And notice what the Bible says in verse 39. Let's read 39 together, shall we? Verse 39, chapter one, ready, begin. And Zadok... says in verse 40, and all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so the earth rent was the sound of them. Adonijah is taken off the scene, and now Solomon is brought to power. He's been anointed, and he's been installed to power. Chapter 2, we're transferring that power. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Let's read 1, 2, and 3 together. Now here, David is charging his son, you're the man now, and I want you to take over as I install you into power. Ready, begin. Now the days of David, the time that he shot, 
Now let's jump down to 10. So David slept with his fathers. The dad died, was buried in the city of David. And the days of David reigned over Israel 40 years and seven reigned in Hebron. 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. So now uh, the, the power's been transferred from Saul to David and now to Solomon in these 11 chapters. It's gonna be an amazing reign. I want you to notice with me uh, it, Solomon's prayer in chapter three. Uh, Solomon came and he said, I, you know, it's amazing when you take something over, you understand how, how weighty the responsibility is. But I hope we never lose sight of the fact, whether it's your job or whether it's your marriage or whether it's your parenting, when, when God gives you the, the privilege to being called husband or father, uh, don't lose the wonder of it. You know, Brother If I can remember when I came here, and I had always just been Brother Jack, and that's okay with me, or Brother Treber or whatever. That doesn't bother me at all. And it doesn't bother me. Uh, the only thing I don't want our church members ever don't ever use the word doctor in front of Dr. Treber. I don't want that name. But and I didn't even earn it. It was an honorary. But I don't I don't want that name. If it makes you feel important or helps you at your work. And you say, I'd like to introduce my pastor, Dr. Trip. That's it. But not, not here. We don't do that. But, but I say that because he had the privilege to enter in a position to be the king of the Jews. And it overwhelmed him. I got that name, Pastor. And those first several weeks and months and maybe the first year, I'll never forget it when someone said, hey, Pastor. And I had to always, I guess you're talking to me. And, and I, I've enjoyed that name, Pastor, so much. Shepherd, here he's going to become the king. And so he, 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 verse 29, this is so powerful. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart as the sand of the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east. And, and notice um, that, that, that wisdom that he had. Uh, I want you to see in um, chapter, that's chapter four. I want you to go back to chapter three. I, I got ahead of myself. Chapter three, ask what I should give thee, verse five. And Solomon said, Solomon said, I want this wisdom. I want wisdom. I don't want riches. I want wisdom. God said, verse 11, chapter three, because thou hast asked for this thing thou hast not asked for that long life, neither has asked for riches. God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go give you that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you that wisdom. That wisdom was, was put to the test right away. Two ladies had babies and one of the babies died. And you know the story, chapter three, verse 16. There came two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one said, my Lord, I, 
I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass on the third day after I was delivered, the woman was delivered also, and we were together, and there was no stranger with us in the house save the two in the house. And, and the woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. She, she suffocated by accident, and, and she arose in the midnight, took my son from beside me while I was on my, and, and so this battle's going on. Verse 24, the king said, bring me a sword. Bring me a sword. And they brought the sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two. Give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose living child was under the king. Her bowels yearned in her son. And she said, oh, oh, my Lord, give her the living child. Give her the living child. And in no wise slay it. But the other said, let it be mine or thine, but divide it. And the king answered and said, give her the living child. They saw in that next verse the wisdom. The, the mother that she was willing to sacrifice, give her son, child up, say, don't kill the child. He's my child, but you give it to this other lady. And the other lady said, just go ahead and cut him up. They began, that's, that's the beginning of his life, and his tremendous wisdom. He builds in chapter five and six, as you'll turn there, he builds the temple. And it was an amazing feat. I, I, I like the reading in Chronicles about the building of the temple. Enjoy it a little bit more, more in depth. We'll get to that in the weeks to follow. And he, he begins to build the temple. You'll read in your Bible, when you get there, they talk about how a, a cubit. A cubit is 18 inches. So the temple measured 60 feet by 120 feet, several stories. And uh, eight, eight, so when you read it, remember, it took, in this text, we find that it took seven years to build God's house, and it took 13 years to build his. You say, well, why did he put so much in his? It wasn't that he put so much in his. They had so many labors, tens of thousands that worked on God's house. He didn't have the manpower like he did. They got all those things done. And then we get to chapter number seven. Solomon was building his own house 13 years and he finished his house. Then we get to chapter eight. Go quickly, you're doing fine. You get where we're going. They brought the ark in and they have dedication Sunday in chapter eight and chapter nine. And he prays and he begins to, in chapter eight, speak to God. And if you'll notice, I'd like you to mark your Bible. Verse 22, by way of introduction, Solomon stood before the altar, Lord, in the presence of the congregation and spread his hands toward the heaven. And he said, Lord God of heaven, no God like thee. And he says, and then he, gets, he begins to, I use the word negotiate with God. The first one that we want to mention is verse 31 and 32. It's when you trespass against your neighbor. If a man trespass against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to cause him to swear, and thine oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou in heaven. God, will you hear in heaven if there's a trespass? How about verse number 33 and 34, when the enemy has victory, when the, thy, thy people Israel be smitten before the enemy. Verse 34, then hear thou in heaven and forgive thy, our sin. When there's no rain, verse 35 and 6, uh, if there be no, uh, the, the heaven shut up and there is no rain, verse 36, then here in heaven forgive the sin. Verse 37, if there was famine and disease, 
if there be in the land famine and pestilence and blasting and mildew and locust, caterpillar, locust. He said in verse 39, then hear from heaven and forgive. In all these instances, he said, we want you to hear, but God, would you please forgive us? He says it about war. He says it in verse number 44 and 45, that if we go to war, in verse, if there's a prisoner of war, a POW, verse 47 and 48, and then he begins the blessing of his prayer in verse 54. And when it was so, when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer, the supplication of the Lord, he arose from before the altar and from his kneeling on his knees with his hands spread toward heaven. He blessed God. I recall in this pulpit, in this church, when we moved in here several years ago, this text from same text, the prayer of dedication. Uh, was taken from, I preached it from uh, the book of Chronicles. And he dedicated the house of God. And I'll never forget that Sunday when we preached from that text, similar text right here, and spoke there. Now, we'll go to chapter 10, and here's where we want to go, and we'll wrap it up. Chapter 10. In chapter 10, I'd like you to put a marker right there. I'll do the same. And I want you to go back to the book of Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. And while you turn there, I've always been puzzled. I don't know if this is correct. I think it would be. I've always been puzzled. Why would Solomon be so wise? And he wrote his son the book of Proverbs. I, I try to read Proverbs every day. I love that book for instruction. It's just not for teenagers. It's for all of us. You might, there's 31 chapters. You might be part of the once a day. You read whatever the date is. Today is the 17th, so it would have been Proverbs 17. 17, 17 is a good verse, by the way. Just thought of that. They're all good in there. And tomorrow would be 18. And my favorite chapter is 23 in uh, Proverbs. But here's this man. And he wrote this great proverb, in the book of Proverbs. And, and I, I don't know, all of our kids, as they get older and leave our home, they have to make their own decisions. But to me, it's so troubling that he had a son by the name of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam had the best home. He had a good, a good home, a good father, a good family, a wise father, a good king. And Rehoboam rejected all that his dad told him in the book of Proverbs. I'm not sure this is the reason, but I remember years ago preaching a message on this. Inconsistency does not produce consistency. There are some prohibitions for a king, some things that a king cannot do. I mentioned Sunday morning you know, we really don't have a lot of rules in this church, but if you're a worker, we have like 15 or something. They're, they're easy. They're nothing grievous. But if you get all out of shape over those little rules, you have not understood the grace of God because I want more rules in my life than what this church, these few little rules they give me. Uh, the world, the, 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 the church 
doesn't tell me about a lot of things what I can and cannot do. They say, our rules say if you're a Sunday school teacher or a bus worker, you can't smoke and drink, go to the shows. You can't do that. Well, it's no big deal. You ought to have a higher standard than that. Now, that's all caving nowadays. Very, very small little rules. If, if you've been convicted of a crime of sodomy, you can never have anything to do with children. And I just want to go on record and let you know this because we have so many children here and we have so many teenagers here and we have so many college-age students. And you're not going to agree with it. But you're not behind my desk. So I get letters from prison all the time saying I'm going to be released. And the crime has been against children. And they said, we would love to come. I'd love to come and be part of your church. Now, how would you answer that? And I know some churches, they could do it. I think it's very wise, perhaps. They, they say, you can come if your supervisor comes. You come after church starts and you leave uh, during the invitation. You cannot stay around. And if that's what they want to do. But I'm just going to tell you something. I can't afford to have that risk. You say, well, what does a person do? I don't know. Stay home and watch our church, I guess. But I have a responsibility. You know, when you're a commander-in-chief, you need to protect the people. And there's a double whammy when I just said there, by the way. I want to build a wall of protection around the church. And you may not agree with all that, but you have not had to be in a position of protecting boys and girls and, and young people and college-age students and college girls and college young men. And when you want to try it for a while, you can try it. Not here. You can try it somewhere across the street and see how many filths follow you. But there ought to be some prohibitions in our life. I, I'll give you something to chew on tonight. I'll let you talk about that for a while. My job is to protect these people. Physically, spiritually. My job is to preach the word of God and to protect us from uh, unrighteous because we're peculiar people. We saw it Sunday, uh, the grace of God, verse 11, chapter 2. And then he says, because of that, we, we ought to live soberly and righteously. And we ought to live in purity and holiness and godliness in this present evil world. We ought to, we ought to take rules and regulations or standards or convictions or purity, whatever you call it. We ought to take it personally to a higher level. tell that one over well. Chapter 17, verse 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt possess it, thou shalt dwell, and thou shalt say, I will, I will set a king over me like as the nations that are about me. Verse 16. The prohibitions for a king. He shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt that he may multiply horses. You can't, have, you can't have a lot of horses. That's a strange thing, but God says you can't have a lot of horses. And you can't go to Egypt to get them. So I wonder what that means in the Hebrew. What does that mean in the Hebrew? A king can't have a lot of what? 
And where can he get them? Can't get them in Egypt. That's what the Bible says. I don't know why God said it, but by the way, he said this too. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Hmm. Can't have a lot of wives. And then it says, and neither shall he multiply to himself silver and gold. Can't have a lot of money. Go back to our text and we'll be done tonight. In the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 10. Look at verse number 28, what Solomon did. 28, it said Solomon had horses and brought them out of what? Egypt. He had horses and he brought them out of Egypt. Look at verse 26. Solomon gathered together the chariots and the horsemen, and he had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen. Now, I would think 12,000 horsemen are a lot of horsemen for the horses. Maybe 12,000 plus horses is not a lot, but man, I'm glad I didn't work in that barn. I can tell you, not growing up on a farm, neither have I, but I know enough about it. It would seem that he decided, though there was a prohibition, that I'm going to have a bunch of horses. I like horses. And I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. Chapter 11. But Solomon loved many strange women. You know, the scripture says that it came to pass, verse 4, when he was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. His heart was not perfect with the Lord. Does anybody remember how many wives and concubines he had? A thousand. I don't know. I really don't know if a thousand wives are a lot of wives. I am telling you this. I'm married to the most perfect lady, and I'm telling you something. Whoo! Glad she's in the children's ministry right now. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Raisley, there. Uh, I mean, I have a hard enough time trying to understand, you know, what page I'm on half the time. And if you tell her anything, that she's great, she's perfect. Brother David, you know what I'm talking about. He just smiles, what a good man right there. I tell you what, it's just a, it's an amazing thing. These, you know, remember the days when nylons were in? Ladies, even all the ladies wore nylon. Can you imagine going down the drugstore, I'll take 2,000 pair of nylons. But worse than that, some ladies, you hang them up in the bathroom. Can you imagine walking to his bathroom and nylons hanging everywhere? Can, can you imagine? And men, ladies, I know, well, I'm, I'm be careful here. I'm told men have mood swings too. Can you imagine a thousand women and half of them on mood swings? Can you imagine that? He would be on a permanent mood swing. I'll tell you right now. Can you imagine Christmas? And, and how, hey, hey, Solomon, it's our anniversary today. You forgot. Well, I got three a day. Had a thousand wives, 365. I mean, the poor guy, he was going to Hallmark buying cards all the time. I don't know. What is a lot of wives? 
10. He had a thousand of them. Wow. That's amazing. Not supposed to get a lot of horses. Seems like he had a lot. You're not supposed to go to Egypt. He got them there. Not supposed to have a lot of wives. He had a thousand. How about verse 17, verse 14, chapter 10. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon one year was 603 score and six talents, 666. Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. He had pure gold. Verse 22, he had gold and silver and ivory and apes and peacocks. So King Solomon exceeded the kings of the earth for riches and wisdom. He had more money than any other king. They said they would put those precious stones like sidewalks in Israel as people would walk and pass their way on the path. You know, this boy Rehoboam had to see this. God told my my dad he can't have a lot of wives. He's got a thousand. God told my dad not to have a lot of horses. He's got a lot of horses and went to Egypt. God told him not to do that. What we do in our home speaks so loud our children can't hear what we're saying. Our actions. That's why we need to pray for one another. You pray for me. Please pray for me. I would like if the Lord tarries and one day we pass away, all of us, I would like our children to be able to look back and say, we had such godly deacons, godly men, and godly women, and godly homes in our church. What an example. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.